Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone and all, uh, wherever you might be. And whenever you might hear this particular broadcast, and I certainly hope between all of those, there will be a lot of people. Um, I want to continue a uh, discussion about stories from the High Holy Days that I did, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? Um, and, And I realized when I finished the show, I did more stuff about my own personal uh, odyssey or journey through a uh, religion, uh, and I didn't develop many of the ideas that seem to be inherent in biblical stories, which I believe uh, are so deeply entrenched in the, the thinking of individuals and groups, um, without which we really can't understand so much of what goes on in the world. And um, Again, I'm going to sound, I guess, professorial tonight again. Um, I don't think this show can ever be really popular. Uh, it's sort of like uh, making a record of classical music. Uh, it goes to limited taste in a culture that really uh, uh, loves and admires um, celebrity and uh, authority. And... Uh, where you don't really have to think all that much about what might be called the waters we swim around in. But I think it's important uh, that I do this, and I certainly, it's what I enjoy, so it's a kind of a narcissistic pleasure for me to develop these ideas and put them on the air. Uh, I no longer write much anymore, and I don't think I can, uh, between the arthritis in my hands and the arthritis in my neck, I think uh, just physically it would be impossible. We also don't have the patience anymore to do that. Um, I don't remember who I heard the idea that uh, uh, fish are aware of everything in the water around them, but not the water itself. But this show and many of the others I do really deal with the water we swim around in and how we're affected, not particularly the water itself. Uh, And the water we swim around in is a water of celebrity and power where money is uh, worshipped and loved above almost everything else, Uh, where the fantasy, and I believe it's a fantasy, is that if you have enough money, you'll be protected from the miseries uh, and and, uh, ultimately from death. Uh, And while it does add advantage to survival, in the end... uh, we uh, we all go in the same direction, and we all end up in the same place. Uh, the famous story I always like to tell, uh, I don't know if it's apocryphal or real, that uh, the singer Billy Joel, uh, who I think was a really fine artist until he drank himself into, um, into oblivion, uh, and, and stop producing the kind of great music, popular music, that I think bordered on classical. Because if you look at classical as a word that says it'll be around for a long time, I think a lot of his stuff is classical. He was sitting at a bar, he says, um, and um, the bartender recognized him and came up and said, uh, Oh, gee, Billy Joel, it's so great to see you here. Uh, I'd like to buy you a drink. And he turned to the bartender and he said, no, buy the man next to me a drink. Uh, His name is Jonas Salk. And for those of you who don't know, uh, because Billy Joel's name is much more known than than Jonas Salk, Jonas Salk developed the first vaccine for polio. And one of the reasons polio has been uh, literally obliterated, many parts of the world, 
and, and the United States almost unheard of to have a case of polio that caused so much grief and death is because of Jonas Salk. Um, he's in the water we swim around in, but much deeper waters, and uh, not the surface where issues of celebrity and money and power uh, uh, seem to dominate. So I want to explore some of the waters we swim around in, particularly uh, in terms of religion. Over the last few, um, uh, and the hierarchical concepts built into it, uh, in the last few weeks, uh, months even, I've been talking about some of the deeper waters uh, that we swim around in, where we see things within the water, but not really the water itself. The only way that you a fish could understand about water is to be caught on a hook and taken out of the water. Uh, whether fish can remember the experience, if they survive it, of coming out of the water is another story. But if a fish could remember, once it would be taken out of the water and then thrown back into the water, it would have a very different perspective about what it's swimming around in and the other things that are swimming around in it. It would raise all kinds of very wonderful and profound questions uh, for that fish. So we talked about the fact that uh, we are evolutionary creatures and that these evolutionary uh, pressures uh, get us to organize ourselves in such a way psychologically to protect ourselves and our kin. And then secondarily, to protect those within our own tribe. And that most of this is unconscious and that we do this uh, to use uh, Jonathan Stade's uh, example, like an elephant trying to guide, uh, a, a rider sitting on top of a huge elephant. You can move it a little left, you can move it a little la right, but basically these kinds of things put on pressure uh, that uh, create so much of our myths, so many of our mores, uh, and the values that we live by. However, we are cognitive animals, intellectual animals. And while the pressures from below the waters uh, that are revolutionary will shape so much of our cognition, um, we tell stories, cognitive stories, intellectual stories that we also then live by, where we're unaware of some of the underlying concepts in the story, just almost as much as we're underlying the fact that we are uh, a beast that rides a set of genes and that these selfish genes affect so much of our behavior. And again, if we're not aware of any of these pressures, then there's no way to change them. And I believe the fact that uh, we are evolutionary creatures and now we'll look at ourselves as, as kind of cognitive creatures, intellectual creatures that tell stories, uh, requires uh, increased development, increased intellectual awareness, uh, where we own some of these stories so that we can shape them more for the times we live in uh, and control some of the events uh, that take place when we simply live out these stories by being them rather than owning them. And again, I've talked about that a great deal in my psychotherapy sessions, where I think the ultimate goal of psychotherapy uh, is kind of a limited goal. It's to make the rider on the elephant more aware so that they have more choice in the direction uh, that they tip the elephant, left, right, or center. So last time I talked about my own development of uh, uh, religious awareness, and I won't discuss that at all today, except to go back to the original story I talked about, uh, which was that of uh, Abraham uh, being told by uh, God to take his son Isaac, his beloved son Isaac, and um, make him as a burnt offering. That is, uh, put him on a pile of wood, set the wood on fire, cut his throat, and uh, make this as an offering to God. And where uh, Abraham does exactly what God instructs him to do, except that God uh, stays his hand, an angel comes, 
and uh, Abraham uh, is told not to slay his son. But that this, uh, while it demonstrates perhaps a historical shift in, in human thinking, not to have uh, human offerings, <coughs> to placate <coughs> the gods, or to show ultimate obedience to the gods, it doesn't change the underlying idea that what the Bible story is saying is that God demands a level of obedience uh, that uh, requires that if it's asked, one would sacrifice one's own children uh, to uh, that God. And this is, I think, an enormous uh, shift away from the underlying biological uh, demands that we protect our own genes uh, at all costs. What we now have is a social hierarchy being created in which the leader who represents God or speaks for God is given total obedience no matter what is asked. And I explored for a little bit, I think, in my last show, exactly how I think this plays out in so many of the uh, dictatorships in which people are asked to do horrendous things to placate and be obedient to the leader, even if it means uh, destroying their fellow human beings in society or the society itself. And that's going to be part of the theme I want to explore in the next uh, half hour or so. I want to continue, though, in, in talking about what I think are some of the implications, the further implications of this notion of obedience to a leader. Um, whether it's God, and, and I don't know anybody who's ever heard God say it, uh, or whether it's somebody who says that the Bible has to be understood literally, and therefore those who speak for God are literally uh, standing in the place of the God that demands this kind of obedience. Um, what, what are some of the implications? Well, one, if we go forward to the story of Moses, Moses comes down from the mountain with his um, uh, Ten Commandments written in stone, uh, and that's, by the way, if anybody wants to see a really wonderfully funny and irreverent movie, Mel Brooks did a story, a movie called The History of the World, Part One, in which Moses comes down from the mountain with three tablets, each with five commandments, and one of the uh, tablets breaks, and as he says, I have, children of Israel have brought you fifth, no, I brought you ten commandments. Uh, I think I've said this before, but I think it's a fun thing to do and an interesting thing to do is what was on the other five? What was on the other five commandments? Um, I think I've thought of two for myself. One would be to, uh, in addition to the commandment that says, thou shalt honor thy father and mother, I think it's thou shalt respect the individuality of your children. Uh, but that would really be an interesting one that would go in conflict with the idea of total obedience to the parent or the leader, whoever that is in that particular structure of society. And the second was, thou shalt treat the planet I live on uh, with the same reverence as you treat the inside of your own home. That is, uh, decorate it, keep it clean, keep it neat, and preserve it. Um, and again, I've spoken so many times about the idea of the fact that I think we are uh, wasting the planet very that we live on and depend upon uh, very rapidly. And just to add a notion that I would wait for, for later necessarily, and that is this whole idea that we rule the planet from on high uh, is, I think, a myth and a dangerous one. Uh, the planet, the animals, the plants, the, the earth, the sky, are not under our dominion. We are under its. Once we destroy, destroy enough of it, I think we will end as a species and maybe take, uh, as we're doing now, most of the other species on the planet with it, thus destroying the interdependence of all life on this planet and uh, doing damage 
that uh, we're beginning to see uh, the picture of, the extent of, but we really haven't yet uh, seen the full extent of it. And um, when we do, uh, the suffering will be unimaginable on, this, on, on, on the planet, which is our home that we live on and in. So some of the other issues uh, that grow out of this idea of obedience to the leader, this extreme obedience, um, in which we, this loving, uh, if we're obedient properly, uh, we will be loved and protected and have uh, immortal life. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be forgiven for our uh, transgressions and our sins as defined by the leader, not necessarily defined by ourselves uh, as people, as human beings, but at punished in the way uh, only the Old Testament God could punish, as when he said to uh, Joshua, uh, blow down the walls of Jericho and kill every man, woman, child, and animal within. Or when, uh, who was it that turned around to look at Sodom when they were supposed to be obedient and not turn around and was turned into a pillar of salt? Uh, all the other descriptions of when somebody enters the temple and they're not a priest, uh, what happens when they look upon the Holy of Holies and fire comes out of their nose and they're turned to ash. Um, this may be a loving and kind God in some aspects of the stories, particularly more modern ones, but this was a very tough, harsh, um, harsh master who destroyed those who transgressed against his laws. Uh, and if you want to see that kind of Old Testament being acted out, just look at Syria. And I want to talk about Assad, who is playing God uh, to the people he no longer sees as even human uh, because they've transgressed against his laws and been disobedient to his rulings. So what are some of the implications? One is that we're really not capable of governing ourselves. We're too weak, we're too stupid, we're too greedy, we're too something. We require this particular uh, uh, set in stone, set of laws to live by because we can't make them up. So that uh, the, the wish, the prayer of uh, an Abraham Lincoln that says we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, is a fantasy. It can't be of people, by people, and for people. It is of God, and by the gods, and for those people who are obedient to the word of what God represents or the law. And this is so deeply rooted in our culture. It is so much of the water we swim around in that I think it's one of the reasons why democracies uh, such as ours is, and as I think it's disappearing, and few others are so rare. Because that requires a view that we're not only capable of making laws, but, but we're capable of becoming mature enough, of developing enough awareness to own our biological tendencies to just protect our kin and, and just protect and, and, uh, uh, and reward our kin and tribe, to look beyond that and try to create a laws that live above us that are fair and just to everyone. It's an extremely difficult idea if built into the stories that I've been reading and listening to during the High Holy Days uh, with uh, more awareness, I think, than when I was a child, that these stories uh, are say we're not capable of this and we're not capable of the maturity, of growth, of development to be able to do this and to struggle together and as individuals to become better at it. Um, It suggests that whatever the laws are of the leader, 
who is either representative of God or represents himself as a God, as has been the case throughout human history and still today, that these laws are fixed, unchanging, and immutable. As we go through the stories of my uh, sojourn uh, through the High Holy Days, which I will do again next year, and maybe do some different shows on the same topic, uh, there is a prayer that says, uh, we are sheep and you are our shepherd. Um, I'm horrified by that. Uh, we are not sheep. Even as babies, we have an individuality in which uh, we protest when we're fed in a certain way uh, or when we're held in a certain way because our individuality as biological and psychological creatures, however immature, demands it. The whole development through childhood is a struggle uh, uh, to get our children, help our children become good, uh, obedient citizens of society and yet at the same time uh, capable of independent thought and capable of being creative in a way that their own biological and social individuality demands if they are to feel like a full human being and to feel like a, a creative, uh, healthy individual. Without being healthy uh, in a way that makes them criminal or makes them labeled according to uh, the sad psychiatry uh, that has infiltrated in its authoritarian way into our society as mentally ill. Um, there are no shepherds except those who take care of sheep. Human beings have evolved uh, in ways of thinking and behaving that while they have their roots in being sheep, uh, go way beyond that. And so many of these biblical stories uh, simply don't take that into account. Can I go on? Well, the leaders that we often uh, 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 revere, whether they're political leaders or so much in our society of, of uh, leaders who are leaders by virtue of being celebrity uh, and are worshipped and that we want to be exactly like, um, create a hierarchy with us in which we look up and they look down. And I have done many shows over the years and I have written about in my books the language in which those who look up uh, all the way to the top say, Your Majesty, uh, Your Wonderfulness, and those who look down sneer uh, and, and uh, don't see, ultimately, in many cases, human beings who don't live by laws that are common to all of us, don't recognize that the law has been created by human beings that are of people, by people, and hopefully for all people, so that there is some sense of fairness and justice. Uh, but instead, they become the keeper of the law and can act and change the law as they see fit. And so much of society and its deep miseries, when they occur, uh, are of that nature. Uh, one of the prime and best examples of that were the Nazis, who became the gods of society. And by the way, I should say, uh, there are many societies that declare themselves atheistic, but that doesn't mean they don't swim around in the same waters that for century after century has been dominated by the story of the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-punishing God uh, that sees us as sheep and demands that we be obedient to uh, the laws of the authority, even unto destroying our own children, our own families, uh, and even the planet that we live on. 
there are many other elements in this, but I want to particularly focus on what I'm talking about tonight. The Nazis became gods in that society, and the obedience and the worship of the Fuhrer, which has been so well documented, uh, is from a historical point of view horrific, but it doesn't really change. It only changes when you have a society that has become as mature as American society, which I will show in a moment, I think is in the gravest danger at this very point. Uh, that when we do say we have created a human set of laws, plastic, revocable, changeable, but that we accept these laws and the people who interpret these laws, if they are of people, by people, and just and fair for all people. Uh, that is brand new in history. Uh, it is fragile. It is tremendously fragile because we're fearful of taking such responsibility. And I have done a number of shows, one of which I was I really enjoyed doing, talking about uh, uh, Dostoevsky's story uh, of the Grand Inquisitor, which is a story within the story of the brothers Karamazov, which is should be on every human being's reading list in whatever um, uh, language they have to have, happen to read it in. Um, Nazis are gone. Uh, but we now have, again, Syria, where this individual, uh, Assad, uh, can uh, see himself as part of a religious group. And I have no doubt that, that in his mind, uh, his thirst for power to protect his family, his genes, his tribe is uh, justified uh, religiously that God has anointed him the keeper of truth, the keeper of justice as he sees fit, and he can use any weapons, and now including poison gas, to destroy anybody who would stand up against him. Um, let's talk about America to finish my uh, show tonight. Uh, I brought in dinner tonight, and part of that dinner uh, it contains a fabulous uh, large muffin, a babka muffin, for those of you who know what babka is. Um, there is a week's worth of calories in every bite, and I won't have much of it because I have now lost about 12, almost 13 pounds over the last month or so. I didn't like the uh, belly I was looking at in the mirror, and the fact that uh, my 34 pants had given away to 35 waists, and now the 36s were uh, uh, pushing towards a 37. And so I went on uh, Weight Watchers, which I recommend to anybody uh, who wants to uh, really have a well-balanced diet that uh, is not a diet diet. I mean, this is something you have to live by to take off the weight and maintain, but it's a well-balanced diet really based on portion control of understanding the ratio of fats to carbohydrates to a fiber to a protein. It's those four things go into the uh, mechanism of how much points a particular uh, item of food is. And uh, nothing has more points uh, than a Jewish babka, which is a cake, uh, for those of you who don't know. Uh, but anyway... America, I have been saying, is a dying culture in many ways. I think there is much vibrancy still within it. But to look at our political system uh, is to, I, to me, be very close to full despair. Um, the real ugliness began when President Obama be became president. Because the tribe... And it is the tribe that has been the ruling power in America, have been white Christian males. Christianity uh, is the uh, predominant culture, whether it's Protestantism and it's marrying sex, or uh, Catholicism, 
uh, which is the second largest Christian faith, or the new uh, sects involving um, born-again Christians. Um, this has been a country that was founded with the problem of, of black Africans uh, being enslaved and the uh, flaw in the country, the powerful, ugly, uh, terrible flaw was created by those individuals who we call our founding fathers when they realized that they could not really have a constitution of the people, by the people, and for the people unless they uh, brought in and catered to the slave owners, mostly in the South, but in other places, uh, and uh, created a document that said that black Africans were only, was it three-fifths or four-fifths? I keep forgetting that, but it doesn't really matter so much that are they are less than human. And that God had created this hierarchy. The justification was uh, that we sheep come in two colors, and the white sheep are better than the black sheep, and that the white sheep have to dominate the black sheep. And while we have fought a civil war, and while there has been much progress, certainly uh, enough progress that a majority of Americans of all nationalities and races, elected a, a man, an African-American, to the presidency, there are those in our society who began to lament that they had lost their country. Uh, that lament started with the first uh, election of Obama, and immediately uh, the party of God which has its members in the Democratic Party, but majority of which are in the um, Republican Party. Uh, wonderful book I recommend to you. Um, it's called American Theocracy by Kevin Phillips, a Republican who wrote uh, speeches for, I believe it was Nixon, um, who said that the first party of God in America has become the Republican Party. And that book is now, I think, six or seven years old. It sits on my shelf, and I recommend it. Um, that this has been uh, uh, an increasing problem uh, for those who claim that they've lost their country because a black man, uh, an African-American man, is now president of the United States. And they mean it literally. Not all, but they mean it literally. Uh, this, has, this lament has been increasing and reached fever pitch uh, with the election of um, the Tea Party members. And I'm thinking now of uh, the, the predominant member, uh, this Cruz, Ted Cruz from Texas, uh, who has become a very powerful voice in the Senate uh, for this notion that we have to take back our country uh, and make it white, God-fearing, and uh, Christian again. Whether he uses the words or not, that is the water he and we are, uh, you and I are swimming around in. When these individuals claim they will allow the United States to default on its debt, and I hear my friends say, no, it's political theater. No, they really don't mean it. In the end, uh, they'll give in. I ask them to go back into the 1930s when exactly the same thing was said uh, by the Nazis, by the National Socialist Party that was taking power in Germany. Now, I don't think that at this point these individuals have in their mind to go as far as the Nazis went. However, their ability to destroy the democracy that we live in, of the people, by the people, and for the people, I think is real.
They want a Christian government. They want women to be subservient to men. They want that world in which men make the decisions and women don't. Their hatred and fear of gays and people who are outside of the story that they live by is very real. And over the next few weeks, we're going to see how far they're willing to push a default of the government. And, of course, we will see how many Republicans, who are now called moderate Republicans, uh, are willing to stand up uh, recognizing the tremendous danger uh, that these individuals represent. Uh, the fact that they're called conservatives. Wait, hey, look at this. I have somebody called in. Hello? Hello, uh, hello uh, Larry. It's Jim. Hey, Jim. I, I never told you that I started the show early tonight. Uh, right. That's why I'm getting kind of late, uh, uh, okay. late in. You, you can catch up later, but how are you? Yeah. I'm I'm fine, thank you. And I I had a uh, I I've been uh, listening long enough that I had two comments to make. Go ahead. Uh, one one is that it it is uh, three fifths in the Constitution. It's a three fifths uh, good. Okay, I never yeah, remember that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other is that uh, yeah, there were a lot of people who were really pissed off when uh, uh, when uh, Obama was elected, but. Uh, at, at least to an extent, counter, uh, counterbalancing that, there were an awful lot of us who uh, had uh, the the uh, the opposite reaction, the feeling that that uh, uh, electing a black man to the presidency was uh, somehow uh, set us uh, set us above other countries in in, in some. Oh, way. absolutely. I, I remember watching, other, I, one, the night he was elected, I don't know if I was ever as proud and as happy to be an American I, as that I, night. I know. I totally agree. And I, I remember watching Bill Maher a, 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 a week uh, later. And he said, take that, Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as if yeah. we had you done know, something. But you see, that, my concern as a psychologist is how easy it is to go in another direction. How hard it really is to grow up and become a really uh, uh, mature individual who can stand in the face of all the difficulties that, that you stand in the face of. Yeah. And that these individuals, I mean, you know, what, there was a show on many years ago about the rise of the Nazis. It was one of these serials on television. And the uh, father in this Jewish family says, uh, this can't happen here. This is the land of Schiller and Mozart and Beethoven and Goethe. Yeah. And his son says, but unfortunately, they're not in power now. Yeah, right. <laughs> you see? And you and I are watching something now happening in Congress um, that is really terrifying. Because well, what's it, happened it, is that you have... Uh, Again, in terms of reverence, we revere money in this culture, I think, more than anything. Uh, it's a culture where money is just run out of control. Just as an aside, uh, I don't know if you follow golf at all, but no. the FedEx Cup was played, the, the, the championship of the FedEx Cup was played this last weekend. And the winner of the FedEx Cup won $1.44 million for winning that tournament and $10 million as a bonus. And Tiger wow. Woods, who came in seventh, won $700,000 yeah. in prize money and $3 million in bonus. So that <laughs> how could you not revere golfers? Yeah. It's, a, it's a game. It's a stupid game, and I know how stupid it is because I play it. Well, there's but a, here we a, have this money the being pumped there's in. A, there's huh? there's a, a, an article in The Atlantic this month about uh, uh, how sports are absolutely ruining American education. Yes. And, I mean, it, it devolves down into the high schools also that, that uh, uh, we're – 
when you, when you compare our educational system to uh, just about any place in in Europe, for instance, uh, in the first we're, we're world, just, yes, we're not we're not teaching our kids the sorts of things that kids in Europe are learning. Yeah. And, uh, we 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 would like to to lay claim to American exceptionalism, but in point of fact, when you when you look at various test scores, uh, uh, we're nowhere near the top. Right. But in terms of what we're talking about here, what we've had in this a political process is billionaires, a group of billionaires who could buy elections, who could put in the people they want to put in, who have been. Uh, Somehow, having four hundred billion or five billion or whatever it is isn't enough, because there doesn't seem to ever be enough when when you have a culture in which self-esteem and success is measured solely by the fatness of your wallet. That they're putting in individuals who will try to tear apart social security. In fact, they have been trying to tear apart the welfare state that was created by Roosevelt during the depression right ultimately that's what i think the goal of these individuals get rid of income tax get rid of all of the things that prevent the truly successful love by god protestants uh because you know I, i'm not sure i don't know if you this is something i had read in a one i can't remember the title of the book i'll have to look it up that the idea was with with, with catholicism you got to God by confession. But that in Protestantism, there was no confession. There was predeterminism. Those whom God had shown to be superior would rise to the top, and everybody else was flotsam and jetsam. And as a result, how do you demonstrate that you're superior in a capitalist country? And that is... You make the most amount of money. And yeah. during the Gilded Age, those who made millions and millions and millions did a lot to create universities. They did a lot to create hospitals. But the new, some of the new modern billionaires uh, have a goal of getting on Forbes' list and being in the top 400 of the richest. Yeah. And while there are still philanthropists, so much of, of the money that goes into a political system is to take out the welfare system or the, or the safety net because those who need it are inferior. It's that same thing I've been talking about in all my shows and writing about is that the superior ones close to God simply deserve what they get and those who are at the bottom don't deserve anything because they're inferior. Yeah. They're like the blacks who became three-fifths human. And this thinking is so embedded. It is the water we swim around in, I really believe. And now you have these individuals who are being funded and, and, and being, I think, used, who can't stand the idea, they can't tolerate the idea that gays can get married, that women can be the equal of men, and yeah. that minorities should be treated in such a way as that they could become president and the leaders of the country. Right. And this is an assault they're making. And to call them, call them conservative is wrong. They're radicals. They are as radical as those on the left who want to throw, overthrow the country uh, and restore some kind of a forced, non-capitalist, socialist country. Uh, well, that didn't work out in Russia, <laughs> doesn't work out in China, doesn't work out anywhere you put it in. Well, you won't get a, a lot of uh, argument from me, as you know, but I, I do see a couple of, of uh, glimmers of hope. Uh, one ah. of them very recently, that uh, although Ted Cruz uh, has been much in the news lately, uh, he apparently, I mean, uh, the headlines that I see and the discussions I see, call him the most hated man in Washington. And, and that's not just uh, the people on the other side of the aisle. 
So yeah, I know that people in his own party are. Yeah, I want to see him. Shut, when I see him shut down, then I'll think that will really. Uh, when I, for example, when a Jeb Bush comes out and says, uh, "This is the, a, a stupid government. This is a stupid way of doing things," or Bobby Jindal, who's not exactly a liberal down in uh, Georgia, uh, says that we're becoming the government of stupid. Yeah, um, right. Then, then, then. But but you see, there's so much in place now. You have all of these individuals uh, who have gerrymandered the districts yeah. where the money well, from the billionaires now puts anybody who stands up against them and gives somebody a tremendous amount of money to run a campaign uh, to defeat them, that these people aren't going away anywhere soon. Well, that's, and, uh, that's entirely true, but... Uh, uh, on the other hand, there is something that's in place right now that isn't going away either, and that's the uh, uh, Affordable Care Act. And yes. That, uh, that's, of course, what uh, uh, Ted Cruz and his ilk are campaigning against, but uh, uh, it's not going to happen. I mean, the uh, Obamacare is going to uh, uh, succeed, and yes. I think it will yes. succeed brilliantly. Yes, and, and by the way, and there'll be problems with it, but these individuals who talk from on high don't look at the process of laws of people, by people, and for people as something that you change and modify as you go along, right? You, you fix right. things. Right, right. God's Ten Commandments don't get fixed. <laughs> they are fixed. <laughs> They're permanent. And they're not a bad way to live, except that the first four of them say, Thou shalt have no other God before me, and you're going to yeah. be obedient, you're going to listen, or you're yeah. going to be in deep shit. I mean, yeah. that, that's, you know? And there was anyway. something, about gra- something about graven images, too. That uh, Yes, uh, but that was uh, brilliant, by the way. The people who came up with that idea don't make any vision of God. Yeah. Because, the mo- you know... Um, one of my favorite writers is uh, uh, Arthur C. Clarke. I don't know if you've ever read any of his science fiction. You know 2001. I, yeah, I know. I, and and uh, in, I don't really care for science fiction. Well, anyway, all of his stories are the same. Some uh, superintelligence is either taking place or interacting with human beings. Uh, Rendezvous with, with Rama was one of his great ones, Against the Fall of Night. All of them have, I think they're wonderful if you like science fiction. If you don't, you know, then it's another story. But you see the artifacts and the effects of superintelligence. You never see the superintelligence. And when Clark was asked about that, he said, the moment human beings at their level of intelligence try to understand something of greater intelligence, they'll reduce it to themselves. Isn't that a wonderful principle? Yeah, it is. And I think the idea of not making any image of God, uh, or in this case, creating prophets who are God. Um, You know, every time when I saw, the first time I saw the movie uh, with Jeffrey Hunter, who was a blonde, blue-eyed Jesus Christ in the film, The King of Kings, I knew something was up. Because there weren't too many blonde, blue-eyed people in Africa at that time. Right. <laughs> it just didn't happen. Yeah. You see? So that that kind of idea of creating uh, a God or an image of God, we're turning God into us and then playing God. And that, as a psychological and social phenomenon, is deadly. It's just deadly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. We're going to do your show next week at 8.30? Uh, at, uh, 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 wait, 8.30, that's 5.30 my time, right? Yes, yeah, 5.30 your time. I keep thinking yeah. that I live in, on the East Coast, so yeah. it's 8.30 uh, here and 5.30 there. And okay. um, you saw it. Did you go online? I, I wrote, I put in the, uh, you know, what you had suggested to me to write to introduce the show. Okay, uh, I haven't seen that yet. I I just got, I just realized that I was missing your current show. So I, yeah, well, I should have sent you a. Uh, I always enjoy okay. having you to uh, you know to have a dialogue with. 
And uh, any rent, um, um, you'll find it, and you'll go on call, and I'll introduce you, and I'll give you the floor, and then I will try to, you know, ask questions that okay. seem appropriate and interesting. And we'll dance together. Excellent. That'll be uh, that'll be fun. I'll look forward to it. And uh, by the way, just before we hang up. Uh, I've yeah. been taking uh, CE credits from something called CE.com, and I came across a, uh, a three-credit course on changes in the DSM-5 and went through that, and I felt like I was okay. Alice going through the looking glass. Yeah. And then I discovered you have a course on there. I do? You do? I don't think so. Yes, you do. You have a three-credit course. I, I I don't see how I could since I and people are paying for it. So if that's the case, not, you better find out about it because no, not, you must get royalties for that. CE dot com, huh? Yes. Because they're not paying me. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, go find, go look at the course list, and you'll find it. I say, oh, look, there's a course. If I had known your course was there, I would have taken your course rather than the one that was uh, sent well, out by the American Psychiatric Association. That is extremely amusing. Anyway, yes. we'll, uh, I'll look forward to speaking with you at greater length about uh, okay. the diagnostic manual next week. Okay. And um, thank you for going on. I think it's about time I go to have some babka and a cup of tea. Okay, and, don't eat uh, too much. I can't because I've lost... <laughs> 13 pounds. Yeah, you know, when we were in Italy together, somebody yeah. took our picture, and I looked at that picture, and I said, oh, my God, <laughs> look at that belly sticking out from under my chin. I was like, God, I couldn't stand it. So, anyway, uh, I'm going to end the show now. Okay. And uh, say hello to your uh, better half. We'll do that. Okay, take care. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.